Hey, good morning, everybody. So glad that you joined us here at Impact Life Church for our online service. We are so grateful for you, our online family, those that continue to reach out, help share these videos to help get the word out. We're so thankful that you came to join us again today, and we know that God, again, has a word for you. Aren't you thankful to be a believer in these last days? And maybe if you just kind of tuned in and you, you know, accidentally joined on, well, hey, we're so glad that you came to join us as well. We want to let you know that you belong here. God loves you, and he's got an amazing plan for your life. And again, I'm just so thankful that we have Jesus in these last days that we're living in. And even though it gets crazier out there in the world, for us in the church, it gets brighter and brighter because his word is a lamp for our feet and it's a guide for us as we continue to go forward. So this morning, we're going to talk about uh, laying a strong foundation again as we've been you know, approaching these subjects these last couple of weeks. And I will encourage you, if you haven't had the opportunity to hear the last couple of weeks, please go on to our podcast or, you know, uh, go on our Facebook page, even our webpage, and just continue to look at these messages because we kind of build on foundation upon foundation. We're just building brick by brick on this, and we don't want you to miss out on anything that's been taught and anything that's been said because it all kind of carries through together. Uh, but we're going to continue on with this series here. So if you've got your Bibles with you, let's turn uh, to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at verse 24 through 27 here again. And again, we're just sticking with what the Lord had shared with me a little while ago that we just make sure before we start start talking about living by faith and how the faith life works and operates is that we got to make sure that we have a strong foundation for our lives to build on. You know, again, in the Bible, it tells us quite, quite often in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, it actually tells us to test yourselves. To make sure that you are in the faith, make sure that you're believing properly, make sure that you're still your thought processes are lined up to what the word of God has to say. And this is what we're doing. We're just taking time to lay a strong foundation so that we can build going forward. And that's just what we're taking the time to do. So we're glad that you came to join us this morning. And listen, let's come with great expectation as we go into the word of God. Because whatever you put into it, meaning your, your expectation, your attitude to the word, is actually what's going to come back out of it. So make sure, let's, let's get ourselves ready to go. Let's prepare our hearts for this. And we know that God's going to speak to us this morning. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, says this in the Passion Bible. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the floods came with fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. Man, I'll bet you, but that's where I want to be. I want to make sure that my life is built on a strong foundation, that no matter what testing, no matter what trials may come my way, I stand firm. And I know that you want that, and I know that's what we want for you. We want you to have a strong foundation so that no matter what is thrown in your way, no matter what comes down the pipe in this world, so to speak, that you and I are constantly standing firm. You know, that's God's will for us is to stand firm. That's why Jesus said, anyone who hears my words and applies it to his life. So that's meaning this, that God's word has the ability for you and I to be strong, to stay strong, and no matter what comes our way, to continue to live the overcoming life. That's his heart, and that's his desire. Now on the opposite end, it says everyone, verse 26, everyone who hears my words or my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. And when, the, when it rained and rained and the flood came, with wind and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and it was swept away. Now, that's not what we want to see in our lives. But notice this, what we're looking at here, I want to just pull out a couple of things from this passage that we see again. Number one, that God is not a respecter of people. And anyone who hears his word and will apply it to his life, Jesus said, I liken that person to be a wise man. So God is not a respecter of people. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care where you come from. His heart, as we said earlier, his heart for you and I is that we stand firm no matter what comes our way. Thank God. Second thing that we see is that whatever is informing us is forming us. Who are we paying attention to? What are we paying attention to? You know, there's so many voices that are out into this world and all of them have a motivation or all of them have a, yeah, really a motive behind it and it's to form you into its mold. Whether it's like, whether you go to the word of God, again, the word's purpose, when you spend time hearing the word and spending time listening to it, it's to mold you to look like Jesus. And on the opposite end, when you hear any kind of natural thing, you know, you're listening constantly to CNN or you're watching the sports center, you, you name it right there. It's trying to form you into its mold. 
right? And so we have got to make sure that we have the liberty to, to pick and choose what we're listening to. So we've got to make sure that we are spending ample time with the word of God so that the word can form us into the image of his son, Jesus. That's the design. That's the desire. So we've got to give our attention to the word of God because whatever is informing us is forming us. And then thirdly, we build our life for the storms, right? What we see the the second guy here that he hears his word did not apply it. His life is compared to one who built his life upon the sand, right? That only works if there were no such thing as, as storms of life or problems in life. But we know that's inevitable because simply we're on this earth. You know, I had somebody come and say to me one time, man, I wish you would just pray that I would never have a problem again. So, well, I guess we got to pray that you die. Because literally there's no other way for you and I to escape the trials or the problems or the storms of this life. They come to everyone as we're going to study today. They come to everybody. So it's not what the, the storms that take out people. It's not the trials or the problems that take a person out. It's the foundation for what your life is built on. And that's what we're taking the time to look at because what we're doing is we're looking at into the lives of these two individuals and we're asking ourselves the question is what separates them? They both heard the same word and not only that, they also had the same storms that came their way. So what separated them? Obviously, I mean, the, the overall picture in this is that the, the wise man, he heard the word and he applied the word. Say that with me. He heard the word and then he applied the word to his life. So it's so important that, I mean, we see the difference here that the guy, the wise man, he doesn't just read or or read this word or study it so he can have more head knowledge. He studies to learn. He studies with the idea or the intention of living out what he's studying. This is one thing that's so crucial for us that when we get to the word, we study to live and out of our living, we preach. That's what we do here. This is what we're all about. So we're focusing this word is here. It's given to me by the Lord himself so that I can see how to live on this earth. And that's what the wise men did. And that we know that ultimately is what separated these two individuals. But the question or the reason why we're looking at this, we want to answer the question, but why? Why did the guy apply the word? Why didn't the other guy apply the word? What what was it? And like what made them have the results? I mean, again, they heard the same word. They had the same storms of life come their way. way. But why would one guy apply the word? And why would the other guy not apply the word? What's the motivation behind that? Or what are the belief systems that are behind that? And so that's what we're taking the time to look into in these two gentlemen. And obviously, one of the things that we've been talking about is that we see the, uh, the approach to the word of God, the belief about the word of God, the respect towards the word of God, and ultimately the relationship to the word of God is what separated these two individuals, right? And that ultimately sees the result in their lives, is how they approached the word, how they believed what the word of God was about, how their respect towards the word, and really their ultimate relationship with the word of God. And so we went over the last, I believe, two weeks we've been doing this now. And the first week, we really went over a couple of these points that the major difference that we see between the man who built his house on solid ground and the foolish man who built his house on the sand, the wise man believes this, that the word of God is God speaking to him. Now, do you believe that, right? Where you're sitting this morning or right where you're, maybe you're in your car or maybe you're at the gym or something, you're listening to the podcast on this. What do you believe about the Bible? Do you believe that the word of God is God's word speaking to you? Do you believe that? Because if you do, you're setting yourself up so that you're building your life on a solid foundation. And the man, the foolish man then, he believes that the Bible has been tainted by man. Again, we're not gonna go into time on this, but I do wanna give you one verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, where a lot of people say, oh, you know, the word of God has been written 2,000 years ago. It's been changed by so many times and rewritten and blah, 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 blah. They'll list hold this thing off. But the Bible has something to say about itself. And it's this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Then verse 17, it says, God uses his word to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. Now, I want to just interject this because this is so crucial because there is, sadly, there's a lot of ideas that how does God train us? How does God prepare us for what he's called us to do? People think that the trials of life or the problems of life is what prepares us. That's not what the Bible teaches us. That's not what God uses. God uses his word not only to show us what is truth, 
not only to show us what is wrong in our lives or what um, uh, to show us and what needs to be right, but God also uses his word to prepare and to equip us for every good work that he's called us to do. So God uses his, come on, say it with me, his word for you and I to equip us and to prepare us for every good work. So if we're not spending time in the word of God, how does he get access to prepare us? How does he have access to equip us for what he's called us to do? Like a lot of times people are spending so much time, well, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Your job is just to get into the word, let God start preparing you. And when you, when you, when God is ready to tell you, when you're ready to hear it, he'll reveal it to you, right? So a lot of times we're thinking, oh man, I need to know what God wants me to do. Yeah, that's, that's great. And he wants to show you, but you and I, why not take some time getting into his word and allowing his word to inform us, therefore form us into the image of what he's called us to be. This is, I even know that in my own personal life, right? No, um, you know, kind of spending time like... I knew I had a call to ministry, but you don't, nobody starts off pastoring. Nobody, I mean, thank God that he doesn't set it up that way. But over time, as you spend time in the word of God, spending time with him, he starts to reveal who he is in you, who you are in him. And all that, that all of a sudden, those callings and the giftings that he's placed in you starts to come up. And I know that's for another, another subject, another time, but I believe you need to hear that, that we spend so much time waiting on God. God, I'm just waiting for you to show me what I need to do. No, let me encourage you, get in the word. Get planted in a local church. Serve wherever their need is and allow the word of God to train you, to equip you, to perfect you into the man or the woman that he's called you to be. It's the word that does that. And when you're ready, man, thank God, God will reveal the next step to you. But you gotta give something for God to work with. He needs access at some point in your life to move forward. Now, again, that's all, that's all added. But again, what we're talking about here is the difference between the wise man and the foolish man. And here at Impact Life Church, we believe that this is God speaking directly to us. This word is our foundation for our relationship with God. We believe that. That's why we will never preach our opinion. We'll never give you our thoughts about a matter. Because simply this, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you no longer have an opinion. Your opinion now is what Jesus says. You gave your life to him, so therefore what he says goes. He's the Lord of my life, therefore that means he's the Lord of my opinions. He's the Lord of what I think about circumstances or situations that are out there. And so what we're saying, a wise man now, this kind of goes into our next point, the wise man believes that the Bible is absolute truth. That I go to the word of God for my absolute truth. What do, what do you know, there's a situation or circumstance or a, you know, a problem that's out in the world. Well, what's, what's right about this? For the wise man, he goes to the word and says, what does the word say about that situation? Because it is my absolute truth. And then again, going back again to our diagram, the wise man, if I want to be a man that's founded my life upon solid rock, these are beliefs that I have about the word of God. The wise man believes that the word of God is absolute truth versus the foolish man believes that the Bible was true in its time, but it needs to be updated because of current culture that we're living in. And here at Impact Life Church, we are built on solid rock because we believe that the Bible is God's absolute truth. Therefore, it is our absolute truth. And we are getting rid of this phrasing, this terminology that you hear quite often in culture today is my truth. Listen, there is no such thing as my truth. You may have your experience, absolutely, but we do not have our truth. There is not, because what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. That's a sentence that's being thrown out in the world today, and that's just simply not true. There has to be an absolute truth that we can base our lives on. And I want to encourage you this. Listen, it's, it's okay. It's okay to be absolutely sure about something in this time that we're living in. You know, where it's, it's politically incorrect to be absolutely sure about anything in the time and season that we're living in. But I want to encourage you. Don't be ashamed living a life in confidence in knowing who God is and what he said. There's nothing wrong with that. You be bold with what you know to be true. How do you know that you're saved? That's something that you don't want to mess around with. You don't want to mess around with, well, you know, there's, there's, there's might be, I, I guess this is one of the ways. Jesus is one of the ways. No, 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 no. We have to get off that picture and that mindset. Jesus is the only way to the Father. There is no other way except through Jesus Christ. And we, it's, it's sometimes, again, it's wrong to be politi it's, or, sorry, politically incorrect to have those thoughts, to even say some of those things, but that's the truth. That's the reality. 
And this is what we have to be as a church and not only as a church, but also as individuals. If I want to build my life on the solid rock, I have to believe that God's word is absolutely true. So no matter what comes my way, no matter what is being said out there, no matter what the popular opinion out there is, I'm always going to go back and go, what does the word say about this particular circumstance, this particular trend? What does the word say? Because we believe the word is absolute truth. Divine wisdom never needs to be updated. This word is pure. It's updated. It'll be perfect all the way throughout eternity. God even said this, that he magnifies his word above his own name. He said this, that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass pass away. So you and I, we have a sure foundation that when you build your life and you apply your life to what this word says, it will last forever. Thank God that we have the word of God. And anytime you see somebody that, you know, says, you know, I'm going to apply my life to the word. You see the word, it's the one that takes care of the results for you and I. And so this is what we're doing again here at Impact Life Church. We believe that God's word is absolute truth. Thirdly, then last week, we went into great detail talking about the word of God is seed. We believe the word of God is seed. And we looked at a couple of verses in Matthew 13. You'll read that for your own time's sake. But it's just vital that you and I understand this, that the word of God begins in seed form, not full-blown miracles. And thank God for miracles. I believe God can do miracles. We believe God is a God of miracles. Absolutely. But he never called you and I to live from miracle to miracle. He called you and I to live in an abundant life. And the way we do that is we have got to sow the word of God, the seeds of God's word, and we got to plant it in our heart so that we can constantly see a harvest of the word being revealed in our lives. So again, Reading those verses in Matthew 13, we see this, that again, God is no respecter of persons. He gives his word to everyone that is on this planet. Even what you're listening to now, the word is being sown. Secondly, again, the word comes to us in seed form, not in full-blown miracles. And thirdly, the word of God, the seed of God's word needs to be planted in our hearts. And we've got to make sure that we're planting it so that we're able to get a harvest. And you plant the word by hearing and by meditating on what you've heard. Let the word of God grow in you richly. Let it dwell in you. Think on it, mutter it, meditate on those words constantly. And you'll know, well, how do I know the word of God has taken root in me? You become a doer of what you've heard. And that's a good place to be. Amen. Awesome. Okay, this morning now, just another thought that was coming up in my heart on this. And I want to share this with you. Uh, Again, looking at these two individuals, the man who built his house on solid rock and and the individual, the man who built his house on the sand. And um, I want to look at it in regards to the way that these two individuals saw and viewed storms in their life. Now, the wise men view storms as an opportunity to grow versus the foolish men will avoid the storm at all costs simply because it creates chaos in every area of their life. Now, the wise man, he views the storms of life that come at him as an opportunity. Now, I want to read a couple of verses with you and I hope that you got a pen or something to write down with or put it in your phone because you need to look at these verses for your own study time throughout this week it's vital that you get this because again we're looking at the storms of life the storms of life the trials of life the problems of life and Jesus said this in John chapter 16 and verse 33 he says everything I've taught you this is the passion bible Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, I mean, we live in this unbelieving world, we're in it, we live in it, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. Did you hear that, man? That is good news. You must take courage. Why? I have conquered the world. And the conquering of the world that he did, he did for us. He did it for us. The problems and the trials that are in this world, he conquered them all and he did it for us. Now, Jesus promised you and I that many sorrows and many troubles will come. Now, I want to just, before we kind of get into this, I want to just lay a quick foundation on some things. Just because you're facing a storm doesn't mean that you've missed God. Just because you've missed a storm doesn't mean you're failing in life. 
right? We have got to make, we got to get that clear because sometimes as believers, we have this mentality or this thought, well, now that I'm a Christian, I don't, I won't have any more problems. That is so far from the truth. That, that means nothing more reality is when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's almost like now you got a big bullseye on your back because the enemy wants to shut your testimony. He wants to shut down what you're, what you're trying to do by promoting the gospel or showing that the word's true. Now, just because you're going through a difficult time right now or the storms of life are really hitting you and it seems to be, you know, continuous and, you know, all of a sudden it was one storm and all of a sudden the next thing comes, doesn't mean you're failing in, in the slightest. Doesn't mean that God's not with you. Doesn't mean that God's not for you. You know, one thing as believers, we have to have this mindset that you're not always going to be saved from the storm, but you will be saved through it. I want to say that again, we have to make sure we have this understanding that we just as believers, we have to have this mindset that you are not always going to be saved from the storm. You will be saved through it. And a perfect example of this is really Daniel in the lion's den. Also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's individuals, there's people that you see in the Old Testament. You know, Daniel in the lion's den specifically he was put in the lion's den because of his relationship with God. Did he do anything wrong? Not at all. They passed a law that anyone who was going to pray to other to, to the king and they would pray to God, they'd be thrown into the lion's den. And we know those, those guys, they tricked the king into doing it. So he signed this off and it was a law that nobody was to pray to anybody, to any God, to God himself, only they could pray to the king. Well, Daniel, hey, that's, that goes against what the word of God says. And no, sorry, we ain't praying to no man. We pray to our heavenly father in Jesus' name. That's for us. But this Daniel, he said, I only pray to God. So he continued to pray. And him praying, his heart, his relationship with God, got him thrown into the lion's den. Did Now, did God save him from the lion's den? No, he saved him through it. But at the end result of what just came out, we see that an entire nation was turned around and a law was decreed that everyone is going to pray to Daniel's God. Well, how do you know this? In the time that we're living in, God needs some people. He needs some, some church to stand up and actually not only just think about, oh God, I don't want to go through the problems. I don't want to go through the trials. But know this, that God will save you as you go through it. Right? Because what's the end result is that many people will come to know the Lord. It's the same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did God save them from going into the fiery furnace? You can read that in Daniel chapter 3. Right? I can see like those three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they, as they bound them up. All of a sudden, they heat that furnace up. You just trying to, oh God, please, like, oh God, please blow this thing out. Lord, Lord let there be a, a wind that comes through God. Let there be a wind that just blows and gets rid of this hot furnace. Did that happen? No. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, yet while they were in that furnace, what did King Nebuchadnezzar see? He saw the fourth man, and it said it looks like he's one of the, an angel from God that came in. And there was, the fourth man was in that fire. And we celebrate that, we go, man, that's powerful, that's amazing. But notice this, I want you to see that they had to go through the storm, and on the other end, again, an entire nation was saved. So you, you got to think bigger. You got to just think, I don't want to go through this little storm. It's, it's inconvenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, God is also going to save you through it. So you have to make sure we get rid of this mentality. Because sometimes we think as believers, well, hey, man, if I'm a Christian, I should have no more problems. Trials shouldn't come my way. According to the word of God, that is inevitable. It's impossible. Jesus said, troubles and sorrows will come to you as you're on this earth. But take courage because I've overcome it. So this is how you and I can overcome. And again, we're looking at these two individuals. How, what was their approach to the storms of life? The, the man who built his house on a solid foundation, he saw it as an opportunity to grow. So now as we get into this, I want to just talk about who brings storms? Who brings storms? And again, I want to, there's two different things, thoughts that I want to bring with this. Number one, there is self-inflicted storms. And then secondly, there are storms that come from the enemy. Now notice what I did not say, God is not the creator or the author of storms. That goes against a lot of religious thinking and a lot of you know, religious um, teaching that have gone out there in this world, that God is the author of trials, he's the author of problems. You know, God is gonna teach you through sicknesses, he's gonna teach you through a hard problem that comes your way. That is not how God teaches and equips his people. We read that in 2 Timothy 3.17. What does God use? He uses his word to equip to perfect us for what he's called us to do, not the trials and the tribulations. But again, I want to show you now the difference, the contrast to how these two guys look at. 
And again, the wise man looks at it as an opportunity to grow, whereas the wise guy go, no, I don't want anything. No more trials. I just, I want to get out of these things. These things are chaos. They're problems. So I want to look at the, and, and address those two areas. But again, who or how do trials or storms come? One is self-afflicted, simply due to the choices that individuals make, right? Now, you know, sometimes if you're, if you're driving and you decide to have a little heavy foot that day, and all of a sudden you're going 150 and 110 on the highway or something like that, uh, and all of a sudden a cop pulls you over, you can't blame the devil for that and go, you stupid devil, you, you man, you demon that's, you know, causing those sirens to come after me. No, 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 no. You speed, that's your fault. That's your problem. Well, it's the same way. You know, this is what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choices that you make. He says, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what has God given us? God has given us choice. Every human being on this planet has a free will. They have a will to choose whatever they want to do in this life. Now that is love to the intense. That's love to the extreme. Then God is so interested in protecting your and my free will that he doesn't come in and, and tell us how, what to think and what to do and how to do this and what to do there. That's not what love does. Love gives you full reign to make choices. Now again, uh, just for time's sake, I'm not going to read this, but Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33 really talks about how wisdom is crying out in the streets. Wisdom is there. It's shouting, hey, you simpletons, how long do you want to stay simple? And he goes off and listing all these things. It stands in the street corner. And what is wisdom trying to do? It's trying to lead people in the way that they should go. Hey, go this way. Hey, go this way. And then what happens all of a sudden, because there's certain people that despise godly wisdom, they choose not to fear the Lord, meaning this, they choose not to revere or honor the word of God. And so what happens when problems and calamity come their way? It says that wisdom backs off and it says, you've, you've made that now you've got to, you've got to go through it. There is a seed time and harvest thought on that as well. The choices that you make will affect the daily life that you live. Right, And you can't say, oh, you know, God is just bringing this on me. When you choose to consecutively make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and then go, well, hey, I thought, you know, I thought God was good. He is good. But because you continually make bad choices, there's nothing else but, hey, there's a harvest for the choices that you make. Now, thank God for mercy. Thank God for his grace and God, he can intervene. But at the same time, there are self-inflicted problems or storms that I bring upon myself simply because of the decisions that I make. Now, that's one type of storm. Now, you know, Peter actually says, now make sure if, you, if you're going through trials or suffering as a, as a believer, make sure it's not because if you murdered somebody, that you stole something, right? Or that you're, you know, getting involved in somebody else's business. He says, because <laughs> if you're suffering for that sake, well, actually you deserve it. Right? That's, that's the kind of the way he's saying it. So make sure that you're not self-inflicting problems on yourself. Yet on the other hand now, storms, they also come from the enemy, either through the trial or he even uses other people to cause problems for you. Right? That absolutely happens. And we know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and dark and high heavenly places. We don't fight people, but you know, the enemy will use, again, trials, just natural things in life, or he'll use people to try to take us out or do things that will cause hindrances or problems. And I want to give you a couple of verses for that. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, and the Amplified, it says this, Indeed, all who delight in pursuing righteousness and are determined to live godly lives in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. How many of you are... Uh, pursuing a righteous life, you're determined to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. That's, that's my goal. That's my aim is that I live determined to live just like Jesus lived. That's my heart. That's my desire. He goes on to say, they will be hunted and persecuted because of their faith. <laughs> Isn't that an exciting news? So I'm glad you tuned in this morning. Here you go. Welcome to online church. What's to happen if I want to determine to live a godly life, if I'm pursuing to take the word of God and hear it and apply it to my life and start seeing, you know, my life turn around for, for the glory of God. If I'm choosing to live by this word, 
Guess what the Bible tells us? That they will be hunted and persecuted because of their faith. Now notice it's because of their faith. That's what the enemy is after. He's after the faith. Now another verse I want to show you is Psalm chapter 34 and verse 19. Again in the Amplified it says it like this. Many, ever say it with me, many, 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 many hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous. Now, I'm thankful that there's a comma there. It says, but the Lord rescues him from them all. Now that's the good news we have. That's why Jesus said, but I want you to be courageous. Take courage, be bold, because I have overcome the world. So no matter what comes my way, I can take courage because Jesus has already defeated that situation for me. But I want you to see again that many hardships and uh, perplexing circumstances, they confront the righteous. Tough times are guaranteed. They're going to be coming our way simply because we're choosing to live a godly life. The enemy wants to kill your witness. He wants to kill the work of God, the plan of God in your and my life. That's his ultimate desire. He's trying to shut us up. Now, the next question I want to ask is this, is what's the purpose of the trials or why, what's he really after? Why does he send problems? Why does he send trials? Why does he use different individuals to cause heartache, to cause pain, to cause problems in my life? I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 13. And I want to just show you a couple of verses here. Because it's so important that we get this. As believers, we have got to move out of this mindset of um, that, you know, people are just after me or why is thing, all the bad things always happen to me? Listen, you're, you were born into a war. I think, you know, one of the things that we have got to, we've, you know, sadly, we don't really have a mentality in the Christian world is that we are in a war. When you were born into this earth, you were born into a war. I mean, again, here in North America, we don't necessarily have all those problems because we aren't born into a natural war that you can see. Again, there's other countries and in different parts in history and time, individuals were born and they were born right into a war. But listen, when you came into this earth, there was a spiritual war that has been going on for 6,000 years. It's been happening. It's light versus darkness. It is taking place. So you right now are in a war. There is a war that is going on. And I want to show you the enemy throws trials. He throws problems at you. Now I want you to see that even though people, you know, he may be using people, it's the enemy that is influencing them. It's not the people. And I want to show you why these trials and these problems come. It's not necessarily because of you, not because of, you know, what you've done or what you said or what you didn't do. Right? A lot of times people take trials personally. They take the storms that happen to them or what people say about them or the things that come at them as if I'm doing something wrong or maybe I, maybe I messed this whole thing up. Now listen to this. In uh, again, Matthew 13 and verse 19, we're going to read a couple verses. And again, this is to, Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower. You know, So what we just previously talked about, that the seed is God's word. And he explains this parable to them. He says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Now notice this, the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was sown in their hearts. What did he take away? The seed that was sown in their hearts. And what is the seed? The seed is the word. The enemy came after the word. He took the word out of their hearts. In verse 20, he said, now the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for what? Come on, look at your Bible. For what? Verse 21. For believing God's word. Why did the problems, why did the persecution come? It came for believing God's word. Man, do you get that? Next verse, it says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. So you see right here that the enemy plants trials, uses ungodly people, some, you know, uses these nasty people to cause problems. Why? To steal the word that you possess or the seed that was thrown at you, the seed that had the ability to come and to change your life. The word, the storms don't care about you. Simply why? Because they're after the word. They're after 
the word. Come on, I want you to hear that this morning. Why do the problems of life come? Why are these trials? Why is all this stuff happening to me? Because of the word that you possess. Because of the word that you may have heard. Even what you're hearing today. Even what you may have heard over the course of this week. Why do these trials come? Why does it seem to be coming this way? Because the enemy is after the word. That's all that he's got. And why is he after the word? Because it's the word that defeats him. It's the word that takes him out. Right? This is how he operates. This is what he does. He knows he can't stop the power of God. So the next thing that he goes in your and my life is he tries to take the seed away from us and he'll do everything he possibly can to get the seed. But what I want you to see this is that it's not about you. It's not you. Stop taking it so personal. Right? What's the bottom line in all this? Again, not talking about self-inflicted. If you're self-inflicting problems, yeah, it is you and you need to make some changes. But on the other hand, if, it, if you're following God's plan for your life, if you're doing what the word tells you to do, there's going to be trials and problems that come your way. Why? Because of the word that you have. So if you can understand that, no matter when a problem comes your way, recognize this. Oh, he's after something. That means I'm possessing something of value that he wants and that he needs. Oh, yeah, that trial. Okay, I want you to see past maybe that person or see past the problem or the situation that's coming your way. And on the other side, go, oh, you're after the word. You're after the seed that was get sown into my heart. Okay, I caught you. I see that. Now, it's important that you take the time and you recognize those things. He's after the word of God. Now, now since the storms, again, are inevitable... So this, I want you to see this. The storms come. The enemy brings these storms to our life for the word's sake. Now, I want you to see this. So since the storms are inevitable, you can't pray away that the devil won't bring any more storms. You can't ask God, God, can you please stop the devil? The devil is allowed to be on this earth. He's a spiritual outlaw. He's, only, he's allowed to be here for the allotted time that he's been given. Thank God that time is coming closer and closer. So guess what's going to be happening as we go further in these days? He's going to bring more and more pressure on from an external basis. But thank God, you and I have got to get rooted and grounded into what the word of God says and watch God perform on our behalf. Now again, so since these storms are inevitable, we have to learn to see storms differently again the key word is you have to learn to see problems to learn to see the trials differently now romans chapter 5 verse 3 through 5 let's turn there for a second and again remember i want to just bring back to you while you're turning there i want you to remember just again the difference on how these two individuals see storms the wise man sees the storms of life as an opportunity to grow where now as the individual who built his life on the sand, he hates storms. He thinks, man, they're out to wipe him out. They're out to destroy him, destroy everything he's got. He'll think it's people that are the problem. He'll think it's the job that's the problem. He'll think it's another person that's the problem, or it's the government that's the problem, or it's so-and-so, it's what this is. That's not the problem, okay? Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 5, it says it like this, and I want you to see, Again, we're answering the question we have got. We're training ourselves, learning to see storms differently. You know, one way I like to say it like this is we got to flip the flow. Rather than seeing the storms of life, looking at storms going, oh, here they go, trying to take me out, trying to destroy everything I've worked hard for, trying to destroy everything that I've, you know, I believe God for. No, 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 no. I want you to flip that flow, flip that thinking, and now look at it this way. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, it says this. We can rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. What does rejoicing look like? Try again. Woo! We can rejoice. Rejoice is excited. You're cheerful. You're happy. You're counted happy. You counted joyful. It says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Okay? Did you hear that? He says you can rejoice when you run into problems and trials. Now notice this. For we know that they help us. What helps us? <laughs> Did you read that? What helps us? The, the problems and the trials. We know. Now I want you to see this. Paul evidently is the man who built his house on solid rock. He's a wise man. We see that from his life. And I mean, you can read his testimonies and his writings and find out he built his life on the word of God. But he says this, we know something. So this is something that you've got to know. That when the problems and trials of life know this, that they are there to help you. And notice this, let's break this down. They're there to help you develop endurance. Okay, let me just read the rest of this and we'll, figure, we'll, we'll kind of chop it up a bit. And endurance 
develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now let's break this down. How do you see storms? Listen to what, how the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says this to us. He says, how do I see storms? I see storms as they help me. I want you to see that right there. Storms help me. Say that with me. Storms help me. They help me. Come on, say it with me. They help me. Come on, I want you to, we got to get this. Flip this flow. Rather than always being, why does this always happen to me? No, now we're changing it. Storms, trials, problems, they help me. They help me. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a mind renewal, a mind shifting for you and I. They help me. What do they help me in? They help me develop strong endurance, or they help me in develop endurance. Other translations say uh, storms develop patience. Patience. Now, this patience or this endurance develops character. Character, I mean, oh, we need godly character. And then this character strengthens, or in other words, it actually reminds us again of the confident hope of the salvation that we have. Right? This is what it holds back to. It's, it's a whole whole little system. When you all of a sudden, the storm comes your way, he says, rejoice. See it as an opportunity to rejoice because what are you going to be having an opportunity to develop? I have an opportunity to develop my endurance. You know, that's a lot of things. What we need right now, if you've been standing, you've been believing God. Even through this year, I think more than anything, what we've seen is a testing of our endurance. How long can you stay consistent? How long are you able to keep saying and believing the same things? This is the test. This is what comes our way. And we see, have to see it as this is helping me. Rather than why is it nothing changing yet? You know, it's 2021, mid-February. Why am I not seeing any changes? I thought 2020 was done. And now it goes into 2021. Stay patient. Continue to endure. See all the trials. See all the problems. See all the things that are in the natural. See it as an opportunity now for you to grow your endurance. Can you see that? To grow in your patience. Because now when you need to have endurance that's growing as being patient, guess what's happening on the inside? Your character, godly character is being formed on the inside of you. Do you see this? This is what has the ability. And we need some people to get their godly character strong on the inside of them. Now this character, it strengthens us or it simply reminds us of the coming salvation that is yet ours. Jesus is coming back. That's ultimately what this whole cycle will bring you through. When it seems long in coming, you are patient. You keep saying the same thing. You keep enduring. You keep believing God. You keep praising God. You keep singing. You keep standing. You keep praying. And having done all to stand, you keep standing. And in keeping standing, guess what's happening? Character is being developed on the inside of you. The godly character is being formed inside of you. And this godly character, it brings back the remembrance of, oh man, Jesus, you're coming back for me. You're coming back. I've been saved from hell. I've been redeemed by what Jesus did on the cross. Thank God I'm not going to hell. Jesus is coming back to bring me back into heaven to be with him for eternity. That is the salvation. Because again, verse five says this, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We know how much God loves us. So I want you to see how does the wise man see it? He says a trial comes his way. He goes, woo! Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. And you can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, the apostle Paul, and he actually shares a little story that he had, that uh, there was a, um, a, a demonic spirit that came to actually inflict him from being too puffed up. There was a thorn in the flesh, Paul says, that was given unto me, and it was a demonic spirit. And he says, I sought the Lord. And all of a sudden he said, Lord and Lord, I'm not, what's the answer? How do I see this? And kind of, you know, saying it in my version here. And then the Lord said to him, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, then you are strong. Like this is what Paul said, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So he said, I will glorify in my weakness because when I'm weak, then I am strong. Not he's strong, then I'm strong. 
He recognized that. No matter what came his way, I count it as an opportunity to rejoice. I count it as an opportunity for patience to work in me. And when patience is working in me, guess what? Godly character is working in me. Oh, because I know this God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. And he's called me into a powerful eternal salvation with him forever and ever and ever. Amen. Right? Can you see this? This is good news. Now I want you to turn to James chapter 1. James 1 verse 2. Again, we're talking about how does the wise men see the storms of life versus the foolish men, how they see the storms of life. James chapter 1 gives us another clue of how wise people see storms of life. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, what kind? Any kind. Some, you know, if you kind of do it out, a little bit of study on this, it just means when you come into random problems or random trials that come your way, he says, consider it. He didn't say they are great. They are, you know, something to get happy about. He says, consider it. Again, he's telling you to change your thought. Have a different thought about it. See it differently. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Not just joy, great joy. Consider it. Come on, say that with me. Consider it. That problem, that trial that you're facing right at this moment, I want you to consider it as great joy. Start laughing at that thing. Woo! That's, that's, that's it. That's that, that trial. Bring it on. Bring it on. I can handle it. Bring it on. That's how we got to look at this. Notice what he says. For you know that when your faith is tested, what's being tested? Not you. It's not Joel's getting tested. It's when my faith is being tested. What happens? I'm just simply, <laughs> I'm just simply the, the container that faith is in. So it may come at me, but it's not after Joel. It's after the faith that I possess. It's after the word that I have, right? For when you, uh, for you know that when your faith is tested, your, again, endurance, your endurance. I think the Lord is trying to get something across to us this morning. You have need of endurance. You have need of patience. Don't quit. Don't lie down. Don't give up. Patience, endurance, you and I need that in this time and in this day that we're living in. Keep doing, keep standing, keep believing. I encourage you, be that, do that. Don't slink back. God is not through with you yet. The word is still working on your behalf. God's got angels that are moving on your behalf. Don't quit, don't lie down. Can't remember what it was in the, in the Old Testament, but it talks about when the enemy sees me down, he says that in, uh, you know, six times, I'm gonna get up that seventh time. Don't you laugh, oh my enemy yet, because when I'm down, I will arise again. You get up and keep going. Come on, man, keep going. This is what the, the Pastor James is telling us. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When your faith is tested, what has a chance to grow? My patience has a chance to grow. So he says, so let it grow. Say that with me. Let it grow. Let it grow. Why? For when your endurance or patience is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Man, that is powerful. That is the word of God. So what does the wise man do? When problems come, he considers it great joy. He laughs at it. I believe in Job, it says that at the, at the sight of famine and destruction, I will laugh. That's what he did. No matter some, some problem comes your way, your response is a big deal. How do you respond when problems or trials come your way? James tells us, consider a joy. Start, let me, let me encourage you, start laughing at it. Somebody says something nasty about you. What do you do? <laughs> I'm gonna consider this joy. All of a sudden, you know, a problem comes your way. Woo! Get real happy. Let the first response, one of a trial, rather than it being, man, are you, again, are you kidding me? Or are you serious? I have to go through? No, 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 we're gonna stop that. We're gonna flip that flow. Consider it now an opportunity of great joy. When a problem comes, our first thought and our first response is, woo, we have an opportunity for the word of God to work in us. We have an opportunity for patience to develop because again, what's being tested? The word or my faith is being tested in what God says. And what you, what you believe is being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And the Bible encourages us, let it grow Endurance, patient needs to grow. Let it grow, let it grow. Let your patience grow. Why is he so keen on that? Because once patience is fully developed, 
It says you'll be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That is amazing news. So our goal is, our thought should be, let it grow. Problems come, I count it all joy, and I say, let's let the, let's let the growing begin. Bring it on, devil. You picked the wrong guy. You picked the wrong lady. You picked the wrong household to mess with because I'm going to consistently stand on what the word of God says, and you hold on, you stand strong, and you'll be laughing your way not only from the beginning of this trial, but all the way through it. You'll be just rejoicing in what God said that he would do and watch the salvation of your God perform for you because he will never disappoint. He will never let you down. God doesn't know how to disappoint people. He's not in the disappointing business. He's only in the, he carries out his word business. That's what he does. That's what he's best at. He's watching over his word to perform it in your life. So you stay strong and you stay um, steady in what you believed and what God said. Now, last thing I want to share with you is this, but I want you to compare the problems in light of eternity. I want you to compare the what you're going through, what you're seeing and experiencing right now. Compare it now to eternity and what's going to take place. You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, my last verse is here. It says it like this. For our present troubles are small. <laughs> I know maybe you didn't really want to hear that this morning. But what you're facing this morning, guess what the Bible calls it? It calls it small. Now, I don't care how big you think it is. In the eyes of God... It's small. <clears throat> I remember if this is a few years back, the way that the Lord showed this to me. You know, I had uh, my, my kids, I have young kids right now. And so some of the biggest problems that we have right now is I can't get my socks on or I don't like this dinner or, you know, they're, they're just very puny or like, hey, Papa, my, my you know, it's Valentine's Day. I got, I got a Valentine's card at school and it ripped. And, you know, my problem, hey, well, okay, don't worry, buddy. We can fix it. We'll get some tape. We were able to fix that. Well, you can't get your sock on? Oh, baby, don't. We, we can get your socks on. Don't worry about that. That's how God sees the problems that you and I face. Not to belittle or, you know, to, to say, you know, maybe you're going through some things. But I want you to compare it in light of eternity. Again, looking back at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18, he says, Our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Thank God for that. Then he says, yet, okay, so the problems that I'm going through, they're small. They won't last very long. Yet, again, they produce for us. Do you see the flipping of the flow, the flipping of mindsets? All these trials, why are all these trials? No, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone and the things we cannot see will last forever. So let me encourage you on this. Get your eyes off the problem. Stop looking at the problem and instead start fixing your eyes on what God said. That's how you and I, when the storms come, we get our eyes fixed on what God said. We get our eyes fixed on the eternal because the eternal does not change. Get, lift your eyes. Lift your eyes. Don't get so bogged down and this is what's taking place. Look what's happening. Look what they're doing. Look what they're saying. No, 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 no. Get your eyes off of what you're seeing here. Get them up and start looking at who God is, what he's done, and what he's capable of doing in your and my life. Fix your eyes on that and keep them set on what the things that we cannot see because they're eternal. Man, I believe that this blessed you today. We're so glad that you came to join us. If you are in the Red Deer area or you know in the surrounding area, we'd love for you to join us sometime. We are open here. We got two services on Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15. And we love for you to be part of the family uh, live if you can. Uh, and if, if you can, if you're watching this from distance, just connect with us. We wanna, we wanna pray with you. We wanna connect with you any best way that we possibly can. So God loves you. God bless you. And again, thank you so much for helping us impact generations for Jesus. And we'll see you again soon.